Everybody relax. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everybody Relax podcast, facilitated by your boy, licensed clinical social worker and therapist, Trey. Hope that your week has been well and that you've been staying safe and COVID-free. I know outside is open back up. I hope that you guys are partying and moving around respectfully and and, and safely. Um, shout out to all the dads. It was Father's Day weekend a couple weekends ago. Um, shout out to them. I had a great Father's Day weekend myself. It was Juneteenth. Shout out to uh, Juneteenth. And all the festivities that was going around, the conversations that we did have. I had an amazing conversation with um my guy, um, James Bell, Dr. James Bell, a.k.a. Young Doc Cartier. Uh, and we had a conversation about Juneteenth and the performative nature of the uh, federal holiday. And then also just about, like, the performative nature of these agencies and independent entities about how they are viewing Juneteenth and what they are doing to... Uh, promote it and make it marketable and you know pretty much make a business out of it and then then the aspect of it was it's so funny because we're making a business out of something that was really rooted in capitalism and rooted in the fact that it was two to three years later that these folks that black folks knew that they were free all because of racism and capitalism so it's so funny to hear that come full circle in regards to a federal holiday where we know that, you know, consumerism, consumerism is going to impede the actual holiday for what it stands for and what it's worth. So uh, I, that's just really interesting to me, man. But um, I'm not going to get there. It's neither here or there at this moment. Um, shout out to everybody that's been listening to the podcast, all the supporters, everybody that has been liking, sharing, spinning the episode. We had 100 spins back for our first episode of season three. Um, it's been an amazing time. Appreciate all that support. Thank you. We're also on Patreon. Patreon has um, the exclusive content, exclusive episodes where I'm talking about my journey and process through private practice and what that looks like, what that feels like and going through the ups and downs, things of that nature. And so you want to go check that out as well. If you want that exclusive content, if you want exclusive access to merch that's coming out in the future, exclusive access to, you know, different um wellness classes, things of that nature that we're trying to put out there, man. Uh, you just want a, a network or a place where you are as a mental health professional, like a clinical social worker, uh, social worker that have a master, social worker with a bachelor's, um, any, anybody and everybody in between. If you just want a community where we can bounce ideas off one another, get some perspective, gain some insight, and you know, maybe you're not giving everything that you need from uh, your clinical uh, supervisor. Listen, come on over to Patreon. Everybody relax on Patreon, man. We, we are definitely giving it up on there. I'm just dropping some gems about private practice and what that looks like for me, you know, in hopes that we can kind of help one another. Like, let's help social workers help social workers. Let's help mental health professionals help mental health professionals because the national organization ain't doing it. So who else going to do it but us? You feel what I'm saying? So shout out to that. Everybody relax. Patreon. Shout out to all the Relax crew members that's on Patreon. We appreciate you. Thank you for the support. Everybody that's listened to the Everybody Relax on the free platform. Appreciate you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Again, we on Spotify, Anchor FM, um, also Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts too. Shout out to all the Android users. We on that as well. Feel me, feel me, feel me, feel me. Anyways, man, um, let's jump into this thing, man. I want to talk about uh, something that is very dear to my heart and something that is going to intersect because you know I love intersectionality. You feel what I'm saying? Um I and I also enjoy and love basketball. If you do not know by now, um, if you follow me on Twitter, most of the playoffs is during the playoffs. I'm sitting here pretty much uh, talking about basketball. I turn into Stephen A. Trey is what my homeboys tell me that I do. And um, 
you know, the playoffs have been very interesting. A lot of injuries, a lot of um, turn of events, teams that we didn't think was going to be in the, these different type of Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, um, and and just you know some 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 new young bucks are are showing up, and I think the league is going to be in a great hands. Um, after LeBron and them boys, you know, pretty much retire. I don't know how I'm going to feel when LeBron retires, but I'm, I'm happy to see that, you know, we're going to have some great superstars up up next when he does retire. You feel what I'm saying? Um, but I wanted to talk about the NBA and mental health. The NBA and mental health. And the only reason I wanted to talk about this is because, of course, there's a couple of incidents during the playoffs that I never got a chance to get to because it was um, I was in my break during the time that was happening. But I want to bring it back full circle. And, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this episode about NBA mental health. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about black athletes and mental health because, you know, Naomi um, Osaka, uh, who was other you know, Allison Felix, you know. Those are some topics I want to talk about, but I'm going to do a separate episode for that because I feel like they deserve their separate episodes as black women and what they mean to the culture and what they mean to sports in their respective fields. But I wanted to separate the two because I wanted to make things and make sure my thoughts are clear. Um, the NBA and mental health situation, I don't know if you guys have followed, but you know a couple of things have happened over the, the, over the, the course and trajectory of the playoff situation. One of those is that you know, you know, this playoff series, they started let fans back in, right? What has happened is that fans have come back into the arenas and they have been heckling and hassling most of the, the um, athletes that are out there. Right. So the first one, it was, I think it was a couple of incidents where I think with the Wizards and Russell Westbrook, they, they threw cups at um, Russell Westbrook. Um, one of the other incidents was Trey Young um, was inbounding the ball and he got spit on by a New York fan. And then the last one I remember is Kyrie Irving. Of course, they you know he stepped on Lucky in the middle of the Boston Celtics uh, court, and then as he was going you know back into the tunnel, somebody threw a drink at him as well. And you know I wanted to talk about this thing because it's, it's really it's really aggravating to me. It was really really kind of bothering me a little bit because I feel as though. Black athletes, especially NBA athletes, especially NFL professional athletes, and then we're not we're gonna to touch on the black women athletes. I feel as though there's like these racist undertones <laughs> to you know to this to this thing, man. It, it kind of goes back to the the shut up and the dribble analogy that the lady spoke to LeBron about voicing his opinion on social situations. Because it that whole that whole concept kind of is is ridiculous because they want athlete black athletes to speak out um, on certain things that they want them to speak out on, but when they speak the truth on matters that pertain to racism, discrimination, or the situations that happen in our country, then they're oh shut up and dribble. And I find it very interesting that the organization, National Basketball Association, the one who put Black Lives Matter on the court, the one that put different sayings on the back of jerseys, the one that allowed the black athletes to uh, be so instrumental in the movement around Black Lives Matter and all the social injustices that are happening around the world and continue to happen around the world. Um, the, the organization that allowed for the Milwaukee Bucks to sit out a game when, you know, um, in the case of George Floyd, um, I, I really find it hard that they are unable to see that 
there are different undertones in regards to fans treating players a certain way. Some can pull and point to the whole Malice in the Palace um, situation where some of the NBA players from Indiana went up in the stands, fought fans, things of that nature. But I need people to understand that these fans, and if you are a fan, these are professional athletes, bro. Most of which the best professional athletes that we have to offer in the United States of America. <laughs> and when I, when we say professional athletes, they are probably in the most tip-top shape that we will never even see at all. Even in our youngest youngest years, we would never see the top-tier physical shape that these young these these men are in. Um young and old. And so when we try to it seems like as fans try to demonize them or act as though they're not human beings and then wonder why when they retaliate or wonder why they speak out or wonder why they say certain things a certain way. It's like, look, they're not gods, bro. They're, they're professional athletes, but they're also human beings. I'm not going to sit there and try this six, seven, 220 something pound man just because he's an athlete and he's on the floor and I'm the fan. I'm, I got paying seats and he should respect me. Hey, listen, I, if I wouldn't do that in the street uh, when I see him, then why would I do that in a game? And I liken it to go back to the part of like when during slavery and stuff where they used to, you know, have us perform and do all these activities in front of Massa and, you know, fight it to the death and things of that nature that we've, we've glorified in, in slavery. I feel like sometimes as sometimes with with the NFL and, and, and the NBA that we 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 do the same thing when it comes to our black athletes. And I feel like the owners are the ones who are just dangling them around and saying, hey, come look at my 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 collection of the most superior athletes that we have to offer in the United States of America. They're on my team here. Watch them perform here. Come pay me money. You're going to see them perform, see them play this, shoot this basketball on the hoop. Yes, you can throw stuff at them. Yes, you can have this going on at them. You can yell slurs at them. You can say nasty things to them, i.e. Boston, i.e. Utah. You can say and be whatever you want as long as you're a paying customer. You know, and it's, oh, my God, man. I feel, I cringe at it when I think about it. I love when black athletes take ownership and speak up and speak out against it. But then I cringe at times because I feel like, though, there's this racist undertone when it comes to the game that I love so much and the game that I love watching so much. And I feel a way about it. I feel a way about it. Why is it that? And of course, you know, big, I think what 70% of the league is black, um, you know, and black athletes and we dominate that aspect. And there would be no NBA if it wasn't for the black athlete. Um, and, 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 you know, in respectfully, um, in his manner, but, I just, I think we we dehumanize our professional athletes and think that they are not above, you know, making mistakes or above being human. You feel what I'm saying? Because they're professional athletes. And I feel a way when commentators and analysts, Stephen A. Smith, when they feed into that same narrative, because as the black man, but also this this individual pundit, um, you are feeding into this narrative about how why how certain professional athletes should be, uh, 
behaving and responding in that manner. And sometimes he supports, of course, let's just not go there. He supports that. But I think sometimes he adds to it. And then other, other analysts too, not just Stephen A, but other analysts too, especially Skip Bayless, add to these narratives that these black athletes, these athletes are not above being human. Oh, well, they make tons of money to play a basketball game. They make tons of money. People look up to them, this, that, and the third. I get it. But we don't hold those same standards to the white CEOs who run Fortune 500 companies. We don't hold those same standards to the president of the United States who mock people with disabilities and just spewed whatever he wants to out of his mouth at the highest level, the highest level that you can have in the United States of America. Why are these athletes held to a higher standard and are under a microscope all of the time? And then when a fan throws, spits, yells, slurs, we're supposed to take that on the chin. Does that not go against what we just talked about and what we were trying to discuss in regards to Black Lives Matter, in regards to putting that on the court, in regards to the slogans, the social injustice that we face? All of that feeds into the narrative. But for some reason, for odd reasons, the same thing I feel like around Juneteenth and that being performative, um, it's, this, it's this like you don't understand the, the, the root. You don't understand the issues at hand. You think we wanted a federal holiday. We want to be treated equally. As a black athlete, I don't want to be spit upon. I'm playing a game. Why am I being spit upon? Why am I being, being subjected to racial slurs? I'm here to play a game, not to be dehumanized, not to be uh, disrespected, ostracized during playing this game that I love to play that I'm getting paid to do so by these owners. And for the NBA to keep continuing to allow this happen, yes, they got the person out to games and that has been doing this and, and subjected them to fines. But they say this, that, and the third, and then they go about their business. That should be a zero tolerance for these actions that happen at these basketball games. And the, the athletes who are there doing these things, they are playing their game, just trying to play a game, should not be subjected to additional injustices while playing basketball. That's not fair. And then you 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 have then they have to be the bigger person. How do you understand that? Man, how, how do you expect that athlete to manage their mental health, to manage these moments? We sit here and compare different greats and stuff like that. And, you know, oh, they didn't have the killer instinct. and They didn't have this mentality. I talked about that a long time ago. You feel what I'm saying? What mentality do you have when you are can you what mentality should you have when you can you're the best athlete to walk on the court, but at the same time still can get yelled racial slurs? Somebody can talk about your mama, somebody can talk about your your family, somebody can throw a drink at you, and oh, you leave the building, you possibly could be killed or uh discriminated against, or somebody that you know and love could be killed or discriminated against. What does that say? What are we saying? What are we what type of narrative are we putting out to us as the black athletes to the black community nba has to take a stance on this nba nba has to take a better and larger stance on the situations that the black athletes are subjected to i'm not saying the white athletes are not subjected to that but they're not subjected to as much as black athletes are because black athletes carry the national basketball association and have been doing so since the merger since the since um 
since they rolled out the, the, the basketball, and who was it? John Wood, not John Woodens. Whoever created the game of basketball, y'all know who created the game of basketball. I can't think of it right now because I'm really highly charged up. Since the, the dawn of time, African-American people have carried a game of basketball and they should get more stock and have more uh, support and more respect than what they've been getting in the last couple of years. I know I went on a rant a little bit. I'm sorry about that. But it's it's it makes me feel a way because that black athlete... And, and and let's look at it like this, because you can't like it's so it's so wild because they are human beings at the end of the day. Most of my most of my guys, they come from, you feel what I'm saying, impoverished areas, areas where they had no choice but to play basketball to make it out. They've come from traumatic upbringings, traumatic events. Some may have lost their parents. Some maybe came from single parent households. You feel what I'm saying? Some come from most of the, the most inner cities, the most rural cities that are, are impoverished that don't have the resources, and they had to make a way out of nowhere. You hear about the darn the, the um, stories that they put on ESPN and how badly ESPN sits there and highlights these that these individuals that these players go through, sometimes even highlighting the wrong ones, the ones that come from a, a two-parent household and doing well. They still try to make a story out of it to show that it's almost like, hey, you was in this, we gave you this, you should you should be willing to do this for us because we gave you this. It's almost like a slap in the face. So they come from these areas, then they go into these these professional arenas and be heckled and treated away during that, and then leave those arenas to still be treated a certain way as well. But they will leave these certain places to still be treated a certain way as well, and it's not, and it's it's it's. It's ongoing for us as, as black athletes. And I think that's the narrative that we try to get people to understand is that to be black is to always be like in this state of dealing with racism, discrimination and injustices, because if it's not affecting us, it's affecting our family members, it's not affecting them, it's affecting one of our homies, one of my colleagues, things like that, man. And, and, I don't I think and I've, I've said this, too, about the NCAA, where they're recruiting these kids to play basketball and they're going into these living rooms and guaranteeing them that they can make push them to the NBA. Um, and, and just thinking that these these individuals, um, these guys can just should be just these upstanding professional citizens once they get the opportunity. And then once they get to the league and it's like you're asking people who have. Some, I'm not saying all, not saying all, right? But you're asking youngins to 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds to be this consummate professional coming from this impoverished area where it was, it was stressful. Um, there wasn't a lot of time to rationalize. There was always uh, fight or flight, and we were always in, you know, survival mode. You're asking individuals that were always in survival mode and continue to be in survival mode. Even I don't care if you're in, coming from a, a a good area or a good background, you're still in survival mode as a black man or as a black woman and a black woman athlete, black man uh, athlete. You're still in survival mode because we color your skin. So you're asking folks to be in survival mode while coming into these places playing on those courts, and then also off the court as well. And it's this uneasy burden that we are 
project the NBA continue and NFL to continue to project on the athletes and think that they just just have it all together and think that they should just be these upstanding, wonderful role models and citizens that they, they should know better. They should go out here and abide by the rules, abide by the policies and procedures and everything that's set forth by the NBA, because you know what the NBA did? They gave you a way out and you should think you should be thankful for that. You should be humbled for that. Cause if it wasn't for the NBA, you would, or if it wasn't for Jim Calipari, then you would still be in the trap. But the trap isn't something that we created. The trap isn't something that we want to be in. The trap isn't something that we wish for. Created by the same systems and people, the same institutions that cut the check in the NBA, the NBA owners who are multimillionaires, part of the the elite, the white elite. These are descendants of the same folks who created the, the trap, <laughs> the same impoverished areas that created redlining, that created inequities, and then social injustices, the discriminatory policies and relates to finances and wealth building. These are the same people that are descendants of those individuals now are cutting checks to the black athletes. So what do we do, right? Yeah, so it, it's... It's a very uh, vicious cycle, and I really feel a way that the NBA is not doing more to protect their athletes, protect their organization, and allowing these things to happen. Switching gears real quick before we end, um, if you were able to last that long and get to the <laughs> and get through that thread, um, wanted to talk about you know the the athlete. NBA athletes and, and mental health in regards to, you know, performance, performance anxiety and, you know, these unrealistic pressure pressures that we put on our the athletes to perform. And I get it. I've been critical of the athletes that we have and, you know, if they can perform or not perform. But, you know, I've also seen the human side in them, too. And, and looking at the different the tremendous amount of professor, I'm uh, sorry, tremendous amount of pressure that is placed upon them to be successful and to be great. And we just automatically assume that they when they when they don't meet our expectations or they don't succeed in the way that we think they should succeed, that they're uh, not of a great athlete as they should be. If anything that the documentary that was talked about the Bulls and Michael Jordan did it, I think it humanizes humanizes somebody that we felt as though was a godlike figure in Michael Jordan. Uh, Mike talked about those different things he he had he, that made him tick that was stressing him out the things he would had to overcome in order to play the things he had to you know deal with while playing and some and we saw a side of him where he cried because he felt as though he was being you know ostracized around his style and how he competed and how he treated his teammates and he just thought that that was the best way to be successful of course it, it the results are proven there but he was being attacked for that right because of a horrible teammate that he was or you know, how he pushed his teammates and how arrogant and things he was, you know what I'm saying? We, we come up with these different, these different things about these, these great athletes and, you know, be it as it may, you know, Mike was very arrogant and Mike had a way about the mentality that he went out to go crush and succeed. Right. Um, which ultimately ended up him being, ended up him being the greatest basketball player to ever play. Of course, it's debatable and lead this, the only, this championship, uh, multiple championships to Chicago Bulls at the time, 
the same, but he's like kind of the gold standard. But then like when he doesn't, nobody hits that same standard, then it's a problem. It's an issue. And then there are the naysayers who complain about his his approach. But that approach is celebrated. That approach is celebrated so much. You hear analysts and other players talk about it now in regards to like LeBron and everybody else who don't have that killer instinct and, you know, doesn't have the mental uh, fortitude to to push through and, and, and take over a game. It's, it's, it's really weird because we'll say one thing and then we'll say something else and they both of the points contradict each other. And then we just sit here and just argue about nothing. I'm arguing about semantics. I argue about, you know, well, why wow, this is different or it doesn't apply to this person the same way. And it's just like, but that's what you were, your whole argument was based on that. And so when the case of like, uh, you know, with, with Philadelphia and Ben Simmons, who, you know, saying really has been in the news a lot and on social media waves around his um, reluctance to shoot jumpers, his um, inability to shoot free throws. Um, and then talking about other athletes such as Giannis on how bad he can shoot free throws at times, how long he takes and just, um, just, you know, whether it's Kevin Durant as far as, you know, can he lead a team? You know, all these different things go out the window when we start comparing to the greats. But we don't – but then at the same time, we talk about mental health and and managing, you know, these moments as if these are very, very – these are regular, normal, everyday moments. Like, do you think and that you, your normal self working your nine-to-five can go out here in front of hundreds of thousands of people um, and playing against the most – the best athletes that we have to offer in the United States of America and hit a clutch jumper, a clutch three-pointer with two seconds to go. Um, with your your team's playoff um, playoffs is on the line, this could be the end of your season. This also is going to tarnish your legacy. Do you think you could do that? Do you think you can go out here and hit that jumper? Not just a regular three-point in the high school, but an NBA three-pointer. Do you think you can do that? I don't think so. You have enough time dealing with your coworkers and dealing with your manager who's micromanaging you on an everyday basis. Do you think you can do that? And so, you know, I really think that we have to now the fans, of course, have to really understand some reality based to do some reality testing for themselves because most of us cannot do any uh we couldn't even lay a finger to hit most of what these athletes can do, right? But I think the NBA has to take a little bit more stronger stance. I already talked about what they need to take a strong stance on from the social aspect and um, the, the the slurs and the fans treating the athletes a certain way. But now I think the NBA has to do more in regards to helping athletes deal with the unrealistic pressures that are placed on them, either by the organization, by fans, by media outlets or by themselves, you know, by themselves. It could be a thing where Ben Simmons is putting so much pressure on himself that he won't shoot the layup. He won't take the layup even though it's wide open because he's scared or fear that he might miss it and he's going to get flamed up on social media. And then the organization is going to feed into that. And then the ESPN is going to feed into that. And he's going to hear about it for the rest of the summer. He can't even enjoy his summer. He can't even go out and get a bite to eat without somebody saying, hey, Ben, why you ain't take that layup? What's going on, man? You suck. You're trash. You know? And, you know, I, I will also say I've been – part of that fandom who 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 has called NBA players trash. But at the end of the day, um I understand that these are human beings too. And they have it's it's bigger than basketball. It's more to basketball. 
You feel what I'm saying? We joke around and have these conversations about this, that, and the third, but there are some people out there who really take this thing to another level and are really, really willing to die for why they believe and how they talk about certain athletes. There are people out there who make money off of talking about athletes, Skip Bayless, um, to the point that it's it's almost like, oh, nah, we this is beyond basketball. This is about some manhood type stuff. You don't. This is about respect. This is about dignity. Who are you talking to like that? Who are you treating like that? You feel what I'm saying? And I, I really feel like NBA, if they don't get a hold of this thing, they're gonna they're gonna lose a lot of great athletes, and they already have lost a lot of great athletes. Um, some who are can't deal with the the pressures of the league, can't deal with the pressures of trying to perform and be this person to any and everybody. Um, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression. Uh, some dealing with bipolar, um, you got the Delonte West situation, you know, it's dealing with drug use, um, you know, all these different components of the NBA, it's, it's coming to light and just, you know, and the NBA is in bed with the owners and the owners is in bed with the, the media outlets, you know, these owners control our big players in their, their cities and their organizations and across the world so they can make a change because they have ownership of that and, and they control a good portion of the money that comes and flows into the agencies right and the nba doesn't move without these owners so it goes back to the owners and nba taking a stronger stance on making sure that these athletes have accessibility to you know licensed therapists mental health professionals um what's the other ones sports psychiatrists um realistically just really having conversations with folks and professionals that can help them get over the different pressures and stressors that they face with on a daily basis and i know the nba cares has a program that they're they're doing and they're working on and putting initiatives up there but you probably should have two three social workers per team if not five or not social i'm 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 sorry i'm biased to social workers i'm sorry y'all but i really think you should have at least three to five mental health professionals on payroll just as much as you have, just as much from the physical side, things of that nature. And they may, they may, but they're not promoting it, but at least three to five on every team. Mental health professionals that can help these athletes. And they should also be in the NCAA as well with those, team, those teams too. It's enough of us to go around to help that out. And also, you just can't hire just a regular NBA certain mental health professionals. They want to make sure that mental health professionals look like the actual league that, you know what I'm saying, that it's out there. It's 70% black. So you have to have 70% of black mental health professionals. And there's plenty of us out there that can help that can help these guys, help these women, you feel what I'm saying, in these leagues to overcome the stressors and the pressures that are placed upon them probably before they even get to the league. If not, you're going to continue to have um, guys who, you know, maybe underperform or end up leaving out the league because it's too much to bear. And if you listen to podcasts such as, you know what I'm saying, All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, listen to the podcast such as, you know what I'm saying, with Gilbert Arenas and his podcast. You're listening to Q Rich and D Miles, Knuckleheads podcast. You listen to the, the former athletes that they bring on. They talk about the weight, the pressure that they had to deal with, the pressures that they had, the decisions they had to make coming out of college hiring an agent, 
You know what I'm saying? Managing finances, managing this big lump sum of money they've never seen before, taking care of family and friends, having to fight for their spot. What 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 things I need to take for my um my brand and my business? They're throwing these ads out me. They're throwing these different things at me. I don't know what to do. I just I just got here. I'm just from this area. You feel what I'm saying? And and also being an upstanding citizen and, a, and an upstanding professional. You're making babies. You're making young babies be professionals at the tender ages of 18 to 21. And and then when they not perform or they don't perform up to the height hype that's usually set by the media, then you want to say they're a bust. You feel what I'm saying? These are, and everybody un- overlooks these different small components that are, you know, feeding these pressures, feeding these anxieties, feeding these these stressors that these athletes had to go through, but because they're professional athletes and in the top tier, the best of the best, we don't think that we think they're immune to that. We think they're immune to that. We think that Ben Simmons is immune to all the critics and all the haters. Meanwhile, he got to deal with that. His family got to deal with that. You feel what I'm saying? They got to deal with that, man. Somehow, some way. And then if they slip up or they do something that's wrong, they get caught with weed, they out here partying, doing something crazy. We want to say how, how bad a professional they are or Stephen A, they need to stay off the weed. What you, what do you, what do you, what does a young 25 and under, even 30 need to do when they have their own expectations of themselves? But then the world is saying that they should be doing this and then they put that pressure on themselves. And they should just supposed to just eat that because they're an NBA professional and top tier of their game. They're supposed to just eat that, right? You won't even eat that. So how do you expect them to do that? You think they're the top professional, you know, top mental, mentally professional athletes, top, top therapists, even therapists have therapists. <laughs> even therapists have therapists, man. NBA has a, a, a major decision to make and they have a they have an opportunity to be on the cutting edge and the front side of curating mental health with athletes and the treatment of their athletes and the treatment of black athletes to a standard that has never been seen before to a standard that can be modeled by other entities to a standard that can humanize these professional athletes for the world to see because these athletes are on display 24-7. And at the end of the day, they're humans. They're human beings. So I'm going to end it at that, man. I think I ran it long enough, man. I hope that you were able to get through that. I hope that it made sense. I hope that I wasn't, you know, too off base and just, you know, conspiracy theory type stuff. I hope not. Either way, you know, it is what it is. I put it out there because I always put my thoughts out there and I stand behind my thoughts when I, when I put them out there and that's what I feel, what I feel. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, man, make sure you go like, share, subscribe on the podcast. We're on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any type of digital streaming platform as well. Like, share, subscribe, comment. Let me know what you think about the episode, what you want to hear, things of that nature. And if you want to get more exclusive content, behind the scenes episodes, want to learn more about like being in the field of mental health, being in the field of social work, 
Come be a member of the Relax Crew on uh, Patreon. Everybody relax. I'm on there as well. Just some $5 will get you access to all the exclusive content, all the exclusive episodes, bonus episodes that we're putting out each month. And then also creating this community for mental health professionals, uh, for social workers, and everybody in between. For us, buy us a little bit of FUBU. And now, if you remember FUBU back in the day, you know. You feel what I'm saying? I'm just showing my age a little bit. <laughs> Anyways, man, y'all have a good week, man. Y'all stay safe. I'm also, too, I'm open. I'm open for booking, uh, speaking engagements, facilitation, um, wherever it's mental health, podcasting, fatherhood, parenting, marriage, therapy, uh, social justice, racial equity. Those are the different topics I love to talk about. If you need a speaker, if you need a facilitator, please let me know. Uphold318.com, SWConsult. Submit, submit an inquiry on the website. I'll get back to you, and we can um, we can have some conversations about that NBA. If you listening to this, if the NBA is listening to this, I will definitely help you guys out managing this mental health, managing this equity, managing this stuff that you guys are messing up on in regards to your black athletes in the uh, in the game of basketball. You feel me? <laughs> Anyways, y'all take care, man. Have a great week. I'll see y'all next time.